0: Blob Talk Radio. TV Party Tonight! TV Party Tonight! TV Party Tonight! TV Party Tonight! We're going have TV Party Tonight! Alright! We're going to have a TV Party Alright! Tonight! Watch TV, have a couple of brews. Everybody's going to hang out here tonight. All right. We'll right. out on the couch. All right. Tonight. we got nothing better to do than
1: watch TV. Okay. Whoops. Thought we were going a half an hour from now. We're apparently going now. Welcome to T V Party. I am your host, the Mandator Reporter, and frankly I'm mortified. Uh, Mr. Mark Rattledge. Very auspicious, uh, (laughs) auspicious way to start the show. I really did think we were going at nine thirty and I'm trying to finish up my factor fiction answers. I got one left. I got one factor fiction answer left, and I need to and the deadline was four minutes ago. I'm all screwed up here so to un- unscrew me up <laughs> and to vamp for as long as humanly possible to like get this done <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh, the first guest here on the tv party tonight our replacement show for damn you hollywood as that's in hiatus until uh until march we're going to be looking at a lot of netflix stuff and some uh, maybe some hbo here or there some this, that, and the other thing. That's basically what's going on here. Uh, we're look at we look at the entire season of a show, and uh, because he demanded it, I feel like this was actually to get back at me for the Flintstones. But uh, because he demanded it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jesse Starcher, how do you do, sir? Let's try this again. Yeah. There we go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. I can hear you, sir. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you just fine.
1: Uh,
2: Yay, we're going to have a show tonight. It might be a little bit earlier compared to what you... (laughs) Spring break. Get ready. (laughs) Spring
0: break. (laughs) Uh,
2: Mark Radlich, man. uh, I'm glad... uh, I I probably should have messaged you a little bit earlier saying, hey, uh, what's up? Because I noticed you didn't bring me into the queue like normal uh, about three or four minutes beforehand. But hey, that's all right, though. Because tonight we're bringing in... The new show, TV Party Tonight, which, believe it or not, took me probably four or five times writing it out or doing whatever I do to promote it to realize that this is a punk song. I know I've heard it somewhere. (laughs) My golly, it
1: it was on a punk
2: playlist that Mark Rattledge made me.
1: That's right. Good old Black Flag. Henry Rollins. Black
2: Flag. Black Flag. All right.
1: Well, Henry Rollins of the famed Rollins Band.
2: That's right. That is right. Um, the guy that got me into Clutch was actually a big Rollins fan as well. He—that uh, uh, was back in the college days. I remember he had a poster. Of, he had a poster of Henry Rollins on his wall. Angry fellow, that Henry, that Henry Rollins.
1: Yes, uh, um, his spoken words actually a lot of fun. Henry yeah, Rollins. Yeah, I've heard you. I've heard you mention that. Yes. Yeah. But all right, Jesse. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry,
2: have I vent van- van- long enough. Have you got your answer to fact no. or fiction? Which
1: no, no, no. I have no. no. no I need you. To- I'm going to set you up. I'm going to, here's the thing. The ball is coming right. over the net. I'm going Here to it bump comes. it. I'm going to run okay. to the net. I'm going to set it. And sure. you take a long jump and spike that baby.
2: Okay. We're playing volleyball. <laughs> Got it. Okay. You're
1: playing volleyball.
2: So Jesse,
1: <laughs> here's the bump. I Here hear comes. you want to talk black mirror season one, the Netflix show from the UK. What? Here's the set. Why okay. Jesse? Why did you want to talk about Black Mirror season one? Please spend as long as you need to explaining in great detail <laughs> why you wanted to talk about this on TV party tonight and go. Oh,
2: now see if I speak slowly, that'll even give you more time. That's that's the key here. Um, all right, so I am a. I enjoy my science fiction. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, if you read anything that I post, I, I'm every once in a while, I'll throw some science fiction-y stuff up there. Not a whole lot. I usually, I, I, I enjoy, you know, obviously a good comic book read. Uh, cheap plug for source material here on the Radelich and Broadcasting Network, our, my comic book show. So I've grown up enjoying uh, comic books and the science fiction genre as well. Uh, I'm a huge fan of time travel. That's not neither here nor there because I don't believe that plays part in, in any of the episodes we're going to be talking about tonight. But the science fiction spin on programming is a it, it's something that I enjoy very much. Case in point, Twilight Zone, uh, the original series. I am I remember as a kid hanging out at my dad's new year's eve for some reason new year's eve they i think it was on the sci-fi channel they always ran a twilight zone marathon and usually it was at first it was just a smattering of episodes and i'd catch them at that point in time watch as many as i can it wasn't something that i regularly caught or 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 tried to make a a point to catch especially in my teenage years when i lived in a house that only had three channels. Twilight Zone was not on NBC in the early 90s, so it's not like I could catch it at that point. It's when we got cable, or I went over to my dad's, and and, uh, he had cable, and I was able to watch it over there. So I enjoy some good science fiction TV programming. Now, when it comes to Black Mirror, we're all pretty familiar with the Netflix array of shows, especially man nowadays though, I don't know if you can keep up with as many as they have out there. Uh, They've been bringing back some great shows like full house, uh, which is fuller house. Now they've, they've uh, got their Marvel series on there, daredevil Luke cage, Jessica Jones. Um, They also have, they've had their hands in bringing back the Gilmore girls. So uh, that's a smattering array of programming. That's exclusively on Netflix. Now, I don't think this, from what I was reading, is exclusive to Netflix. I believe this aired over on British television. And just a quick aside, uh, as as far as British television goes, I am. I think my my younger sister was more schooled in British television before I ever was, with like absolutely fabulous Ab Fab. If anybody was a, a fan of that show, but when my daughter was born, I happened upon doctor who and i was immediately uh, just like i said time travel uh science fiction and doctor who had it all so the brits have a good way uh, have brought me kind of into uh back into science fiction in the in the modern day uh when it comes to tv black mirror is one of those shows it comes from from, the, uh, from across the pond, and it's, I, at first I was, I saw it on Netflix, I had no idea what it was, then I saw people posting it, uh, posting about it, left and right, not going into specific details, but saying that it was, a dec- it was a pretty decent show to watch, so finally, I think it was maybe about a month ago, I was just cruising along, and I was like, okay, it's time to check this Black Mirror stuff out didn't totally know what i was getting into until i read the description and it's a a sci-fi a britain uh sci-fi tv show but they only have three episodes in this first season so you could tell it was kind of stepping out there into uh, kind of testing the waters if you will just just to kind of see if people are into this type of thing i don't know Aside from Twilight Zone, and if there's any listeners out there that want to chime in, send send me anything, go ahead. Uh, but I can't think of anything else off the top of my head um, that was as popular, I guess I should say, a, a, a very popular program that was similar to what uh, Black Mirror is. Uh, the only thing I could come up with is, is compare it to Twilight Zone, where it is a series of shows – That are apart from each other. So we're not talking the a continuity here between shows. Although, as we get into, if if we do a later season on this, uh, they do. There is a bit that shows up later on in the seasons from the first season. Uh, Just it nothing like continuity wise. I'm just saying some kind of stuff rolls into some of those other episodes. However, they're all standalone, and it's all. Uh, you know, taking on a, it's all taking on um, a, a a new concept, if you will. Uh, So this first episode that we'll be getting into uh, is way different from the second episode that we would talk about. And the same thing with the third, the characters are totally different. The concept's totally different. The reality, this is even, (laughs) I think this is in the wiki. The reality is even different. Uh, So it's, it's that episodic sci-fi stuff. Plus, I want to tell Mark why I sent it his way. Uh, I I don't know. I know Mark enjoys a good sci-fi flick every once in a while, especially in movies. That's what we hear him here on the Radalich and Broadcasting Network talk about mostly. So TV party tonight, let's go ahead. We'll get into some science fiction television and we'll see how Mark's brain handles that. Um, All right, Mark.
1: (laughs) That was very good. I got got my last question done during all that. (laughs) And I even heard something. It was it. long. It was we fantastic. didn't say that. <laughs> Jesse's going, oh, what else to fucking say? Um, and then I wrote. Um, I'll never forget. What's her name? Anyway, I still think you made me watch this because I made you do a show on the Flintstones. And I feel like. Could very game.
2: well be. Could I feel very like well
1: Jesse's be. Jesse uh, uh, uh this is planning some comeuppance for Mr. Rattledge. <laughs> Actually, well, I'm suspicious
2: now. Now, as we get into it, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you enjoyed it as much as I did or not. So that now if I if I share with you something that I deeply enjoy, then that is not getting revenge. That is but nothing but sharing the joy in my life. So that's uh, that's how I am going to look at it on this end. We'll find okay. out, though. Let's see. I want to see if I made you suffer.
1: Let me, in all seriousness, let me first say that <clears throat> um, I did like the concept of it. When I think when you first pitched me the idea, the way that you described it to me was, "It's like a, it's like a technology." I'm on the direct connect, by the way. So if I start to go robot or if I become completely inaudible, please let me know, and I will change things. Um, okay. Okay. Speaking of technology, uh, but. You know, we all know that if I subscribe to any belief, if I subscribe to any religion, it is the singularity. Oh yeah. <laughs> I uh, my big worry is not that Meryl Streep made comments about Donald Trump at the Golden Globes, which seems to be the thing that bothers is bothering everybody. everybody. It is the jo- It is the jobless future, Jesse Starcher. Robots. Robots coming to take your job and my job and his job and her job. Uh, The jobless future. These are the things that that bother me. Uh, But it's not just the jobless future. I am uh, an advocate and I'm an enthusiast for technology. Artificial intelligence just being one of those things. But, you know, let's look at the driverless cars I'm oh, yeah. um, a big enthusiast for that. Uh, I keep talking about the uh, the ability that I've read about that, you know, possibly in the future, the ability to download your consciousness into technology and seemingly live forever. Season I mean, two, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, but I, I suspect in that scenario, it'll be a nightmare. And I think it'll be, it'll be just Nirvana. Not, not the band. <laughs> um, But but my my point being, you are not talking to somebody who fears this stuff. You are somebody I am talking. You are talking to somebody who embraces the future, embraces technology. You would think that that would be my career field, but uh, I ain't that smart. See, Um, I I can talk about it fairly intelligently, and that's about it. Uh, So the concept of a twilight zone that is technology driven is appealing to me, and I have to say two out of the three of season one uh, episodes were very entertaining and very appealing to me. I will also tell you that as far as nightmare scenarios go where, um, you know, these kinds of short stories usually leave an indelible mark on one psyche. That is, Uh that is their purpose. You know, it's, it's supposed to scar you in some way. Uh, I, go, I I think about a Batman short stories book that I read years ago. It's actually about the Joker, and in one of those stories, to this to just give you an idea of how much it scarred me, um, I, I remember it to this day, and I remember reading this in high school. I think it was a million years ago, um, but it was this you know the concept of the Joker taking on the identity of one of the psychiatrists and. Um, Escaping Arkham, um, looking like you know, like he had literally like changed his face, and then like exchanged it with this other doctor, and the his parting remarks to the doctor are, "I'll make sure to give your wife my best."
0: Yikes!
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. End of story. So, um, if you you know, if a short story or a or an episodic television show like Black Mirror can leave those kinds of profound marks on someone, uh, I actually think that's, that's not a bad thing. I think, t- I, I think media should make you feel something, even if it's awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and I definitely came away with some awful feelings watching this show. That doesn't make it bad. <laughs> <laughs> but... There were, certain, there, there were definitely a certain elements of this. I think I thought that the, the third one was absolutely horrifying, was the way that I explained no, it to my wow. wife. Um, by, far the, by far, in terms of what technology does to people and how it drives them uh, either to nirvana or insanity, uh, is an interesting idea for me. Um, and, you know, and in these three cases, you have different levels being driven to madness in some way. Um, and I think, you know, your mileage may vary from, from episode to episode. You know, wh- you know the, having sex with a farm animal <laughs> on live television <laughs> may affect you differently than, say, obsessing over your recorded memories. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about each one of those things individually. I have to say, right off the bat, the second episode I was not thrilled with. Okay, Um, all right. You know, we'll we'll get into that uh, in depth. Uh, But just as an overall, the first episode I thought was great, though my takeaway was, as as I told you at the time, was uh, I would have handled it differently. (laughs) It's needless to say, I would not have fucked (laughs) the pig. And the third one I thought was terrifying. Just, just, Made my skin crawl, made me feel awful about myself and life in general. It just, yeah. just sort of seeing the world through the main character's eyes, uh, it, it affected me deeply. So, um, you didn't pick a bad show, Jesse. Is really what I'm trying to say. I, I enjoyed That's the first season of Black Mirror. Um, the like I said, the concept of let's let let's draw a circle around technology and draw out these stories of technology gone awry uh, yeah. gone off the deep end is is, is fun for me
2: Yeah I knew that there would be an element to this that would appeal to that side of uh, of your psyche I think it, because you can see in their concept of of what they had said for this for this show was to kind of give you an idea of how uh, you know, what we could do with technology and what people 's uh reaction or shaping uh their lives with that technology, uh, I think the quote is something like you know this is this is kind of to kind of show you where we could be in about ten minutes if we really screwed things up i think that 's what the quote was um on on in the description but man there 's it's it 's something that in each one of these first three episodes, I could pick something out like, okay, that's how society would probably react. And what a shitty way for society to react (laughs) with with that power that they have. Uh, So, okay. I'll let, I'll let you guide the show here, man. Go for it.
1: Okay. And, and we don't, you know, we don't need to be all formal about this. We can play it loose and groovy. I trust you, Jesse Starcher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, um, all right, so we're not go- I'm not going to go into like, a big plot-by-plot-by-plot by plot by plot synopsis of any of this. Um, sure. I will do a, just a sort of a brief introduction of what the plot is, but I really want to talk about the elements and the themes and, and, and the craft of each episode, so I don't want to get caught up in the minutiae. And again, this is not Damn You Hollywood. We will not be talking about the money. Um, Numbers! All- Numbers! No numbers, no money, and we will not be going to Rotten Tomatoes to bash the critics. So,
2: um, (laughs) Let me ask you here first before we get in. Sure. Did you have to use subtitles?
1: Not for this episode, no. Okay,
2: Um, all
1: right. We'll talk more about Uh, the second episode uh, and some some of the issues I had with it. But for the first episode and the third episode, I was fine. I was able to... I was able to follow, talk British from my kids. Um, <laughs> do you, do you want,
2: have you ever watched a lot of British programming in your life? I mean, is there any British TV shows off I top mean, of your head that you could think you've watched? I,
1: I grew up with Benny Hill and Danger Mouse.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, Danger I, Mouse. I, I,
1: I don't know if like, you know, someone listening to this is just like, literally that's your, someone asked you about British <laughs> television, so you don't go to the office, or Monty Python, you fucking, what a shithead. Danger Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, I'm Benny Hill um, oh, Yeah, I can be sex But no, I uh, I did watch the Monty Python's Flying Circus uh, When I was a kid um, Once I was introduced to it, I shouldn't say kid Because I really didn't get introduced to Monty Python until I was in high school And again, like everybody else um, <laughs> this is, Like everybody else yeah. who was introduced to Monty Python that, that wasn't a contemporary of the show I was introduced to it through Monty Python's Holy Grail um Have you ever seen it?
2: No, I haven't. Believe it or not, there are so many quotes that I could quote from that movie, and I have yet to see a bit of it. I'm talking about holy hand grenade. uh I mean, it's just all over the place. It's one, probably one of the most popular pop culture things that's out there that I have. I am absolutely ignorant on, and
1: yeah, really, people hate me I, for it. I, I... Are you, yeah, I'm like I'm ready to like stop the show now so that you can go back and you know we'll do it we'll do it because Mark made me uh, <laughs> make you watch the show and review it. That's your homework assignment now. Um, yeah, I, look, I I can't make fun of you too much because I would never have known about it had a, a girl that I was semi interested at the time. That's how a lot of my stories start. Have you noticed that some broad I was interested in? <laughs> so there's in. this chick. Dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um tells you a lot about me doesn't it uh you know hey i want you to i, uh, I want you to do this thing sure i like you i guess you could say that <laughs> to a lot of guys though that's not an uncommon thing for a guy to do something oh, because no. a girl wants him to because he Tr- wants to trust me band. dude
2: i well i'm married so i guess i can't really say a whole lot but this you're my not wife... a,
1: you're not born married sir
2: no, nah, that's right. That's right. But I just to put it in perspective, as to doing something because the, uh, a woman wants you to, I was just part of a fucking thirty-one party. Now, do you know what thirty-one Ugh. is?
1: I yeah, I know what thirty-one <laughs> is. I think my used to sell it. Oh, oh, wow! Bastard. 30, yeah, 31, yeah, 31 is like luggage, right? Uh, Begging yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Exactly, exactly. It's uh, they did Lowry, some kind of one way thing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. sir.
2: The, the the weakender, the flop over. What was it called? The flip over weekender was one of the one of the one of the great sells tonight. Apparently, my wife invited me to this party. She's like five minutes before I came down here. I was on that thing liking posts. So yes, I was doing something that I definitely did not want to do.
1: Does she still have your balls?
2: <laughs> uh, Black Mirror. Um, <laughs>
1: I kid, I kid. You forbid, look, I, I, I kid you know, because I'm sure, because I'm sure I could come back with something equally horrible. Um, I hear you, man. And say my, to myself, "Where have my balls gone?" But uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, yeah, we still have some of that shit lying around from the five minutes my wife used to sell it. Wow. Anyway, uh, back back to Black Mirror, as you said. All right, uh, so uh, three episodes, season one. The original air date was uh 2011 so almost uh five years ago uh or a little past five years ago now Past five years ago uh the first episode is the national anthem and the the short short here is that uh we are focused on the british prime minister whose name is michael callow played by rory Kinnear, and the uh Princess Susanna, oh Susanna, the Duchess Don't you of me <laughs> <laughs> has been has been kidnapped. You see, and the ransom being demanded is that the Prime Minister, with a specific set of uh, specifications, must have live sexual intercourse with bacon, a pig, yeah. live I'd pig. Do a-
2: I would do it with bacon, but a pig, that's Dude, a different story.
1: You'd fuck a plate of bacon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, right. I love bacon.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, not a little too much. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got to fuck a pig on national television, and uh, the specification are designed to make it look like, you know, it, to make sure it's not fake in any way. And, mm-hmm. the, and the video has been posted to YouTube. So, the technolo- so draw a circle around that because that's the technology being focused on in this first episode, the concept of the viral video. Yeah. And really the whole, the whole thing is about, because there's no point getting into a lot of the minutiae of the episode. The idea being presented here is that you can hold somebody uh, hostage via an anonymous YouTube video, an anonymous online video. Mm -hmm. And technology is now such, with routers and um, being able to bounce your signal from place to place, that you can, if you choose, remain anonymous. And if you have the means and the wherewithal and the foresight to do a strange or violent thing, you can accomplish that stranger violent thing uh, with this video, and who could stop you? Yeah. Really? Who, that's what's being said here. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of what I took from this was uh, clearly they're playing the political angle as well. This is the, uh, what was he, the, the, I lost it already off the top of British Prime British Prime Minister. The Prime Minister. And with all, everything at his disposal, he could not find this person. Uh, And not only that, when they, when he got the demands for, you know, what he was supposed to do in order to free this uh, duchess, uh, you know, they immediately stepped in and said, we've got to cut it off. We've got to stop it. And at the time that they tried to stop it, like, I can't remember how many people had already downloaded and watched the video of this of this, these ransom demands and had propagated it all over the place. So the viral video is definitely uh, a, one big factor I think in this particular episode. The other one is is you know a person in political power. Uh, there's a lot of talk about public opinion. Clearly, if you're in if you're in, in politics, that's one of the big things that you're. Concerned about your image The image that you you Have you know do the people like you Are you going to get reelected Are they uh, satisfied with the job That you're doing and When something like this Happens it, It just It was interesting to see how the public Treated a guy Who was being told To do this I mean just disgusting act In order to free somebody who is being held hostage. And it's interesting to see how, you know, if you're a person in political power, how actually on spot, or on spot, how how much of a spotlight is shown on your life. Why do you think this guy did this? That was one of the things that I, the, the guy, the, the ransomer. Do you have any theories as to why he decided to do this to the prime minister?
1: Let's let's go to the wiki. Um, according to the <laughs> Wikipedia plot synopsis, it emerges that Turner Prize winner Carlton Bloom planned the event, intending to make an artistic point by showing events of significance slipped under the noses of the public and the government as they were elsewhere watching screens and not paying attention to the real world. Um, now, what happens here basically is that he says by 4 o'clock, if you don't fuck a pig on live television, we're going to kill the princess. And yep. prior to 4 o'clock, they actually leave the princess unharmed, fingers intact, by the way, which is important, um, on a bridge. And like nobody notices her. That they're so Not a single busy, person. Yeah, they're so busy watching this event unfold on television. They are watching the prime minister commit... Um, bestiality. Mm-hmm. They don't even notice that the princess, whom they were all uh, afraid for and protective of, is sitting in the street, knocked out cold, with yeah. no one there to protect her.
2: She's right there, and um, and the the only thing the public can do is watch that happen. Right. You know, that's just. Good. I mean,
1: and, go ahead. So it says, and not paying attention to. they were elsewhere watching screens and not paying attention to the real world. So they're watching the pig fucking. The real world is she's on the bridge. Okay. Okay. So that's so, so the dichotomy. He
2: was he was trying to make some kind of a point that uh, you know yeah. some kind of societal point that okay you guys are clearly not paying attention because you're all engrossed with something that you shouldn't be paying attention to in the first place.
1: Correct. Um, Your job is being replaced by robots. Meanwhile, we're all watching Meryl Streep say some bullshit about Donald Trump.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. Keep
1: coming back to that. Um, And then Bloom commits suicide as the broadcast is and is decided that the news of Susanna's early release will not be revealed to anyone, including (laughs) Callow. Heads will roll for this. Um, now now an interesting thing happened. A year after the broadcast, Callow's political image has remained intact. Okay, so like he basically sacrificed himself on the altar of um political expediency. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Basically,
1: and came out with a dirty penis, but not much else. <laughs> because the correct because the public still adores the man for doing what he needed to do with the pig that was willing in order to save this woman who they all adored um he didn't get the woman killed and for that he is rewarded with continued approval um you know the way that it's written here is gained greater public approval due to his willingness to sacrifice his dignity um people have moved on the woman the princess has moved on And while Callow's reputation has been raised in the eyes of the public, it is implied that his relationship with with his wife has not survived the ordeal. Um, She's still with him publicly, but in private, she's not talking to him at all.
2: Now, can we just go ahead real quick and (sighs) come on, lady. I mean, (laughs) what else do you, why are you giving this guy a hard time? He saved somebody's life. Did you identify, I mean, what, what would do you agree with the way she, was, uh, she treated this dude at the end?
1: I think you need to ask me a different question first. Okay, you and that is. Me, you need to ask me if I were held hostage by a YouTube video that made a demand that I have sex with a farm animal or someone <laughs> was going to die.
2: Well, this is now, some, that's pl- completely going to negate my previous question because I know the answer <laughs> to this. But yes, go ahead. Now, would you short, would you sir screw the pig
1: short of the victim being my own child. Okay? And I mean child. Like it would have to happen now. You know, if my if if if, the, if the, it was an adult, I don't know if my answer would would, would change or not. I it's hard for me to project that, you know, forward. But right now, unless it was an my actual six or two-year-old, almost mm-hmm. three-year-old, my reaction to if by four o'clock you have not had sex with a pig, we're going to murder this woman. My reaction would have been by if by three thirty she isn't returned, I start dropping nuclear bombs. And I, <laughs> I and. The, <laughs> First up, Fire. London. <laughs> yeah. I will nuke London. Okay. Then I will <laughs> nuke Paris. And I will continue to nuke major Western capitals. Uh, I'm just going to say your, your
2: approval rating's not going to be where it was no. before. I'm just going to go. No, ahead I, and say lear-
1: I learned from playing Civilization 3 and 4 that if you use nuclear weapons, you don't keep the public opinion very high. <laughs> <laughs> Those games taught me that. But no, in all all seriousness, um, I get that the point of the episode is that this is supposed to be some sort of performance art. It is a commentary on uh, we as a public don't pay attention to the right things. We are so distracted by screen technology that we are missing the important things in life. Now, there have been studies that, about distracted parenting. That's a new thing. You know, we're all on our cell phones. We're not actually paying attention to the fucking children we brought into this world, that sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. and how that affects children. We are um, texting and driving or texting and crashing, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. We are so involved in pop culture via screens that we're not seeing the important things happening in the world. Again, how many more times do I need to say the jobless future? Um, You know, changes, real changes, important changes happening right now uh, because of technological advancement or whatever, we're not paying any attention to because we're distracted by these other things. So... That's the point of the episode, really. That, that's the point of the... That's uh, well, at least part of the point of the episode. But within the episode, that's the point of this performance piece that's happening to this prime minister. And it is yeah. a performance piece. This is performance art. Um, it's an Andy Kaufman kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely true, because look what happened. Everyone was so busy watching him do this outrageous act, they missed the whole thing that she was safe and sound on the bridge. And then, you know, and then to sort of drive the point home, he goes and kills himself. It's like, well, what more needs to be said? We're living in a terrible world with terrible people. Um, And and I don't want to live on this planet with you people anymore. And that's all, (laughs) (laughs) and that's all well and good. I think if you, you know, now me, now me personally, um, if you just sort of boil this down to, do you or don't you negotiate with terrorists? Do, you know, do you ever give in to a ransom demand? I, and I just I don't believe you do. I, I think maybe dropping nuclear weapons might be a smidgen extreme, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think there had to be another way. But you don't give in to this sort of thing. But let, let's now turn that on its head, and I'll, and I'll pitch it back to you. If if what the writers of this episode is saying is that by virtue of him giving in to a terroristic threat to a to a ransom demand and coming out the other side a little less dignified but virtually unscathed in the public eye, uh, is it right to give them what they want? Is it right to give in to demand? Is it right to negotiate with terrorists? What do you, I mean, because, and I think in a lot of ways, that's what they're, that, that's what they're saying in this is that you can sacrifice your dignity. You can elevate the concept of ransoming and hostaging and still be okay. I don't think you, you'll be okay. I think that's, you know, I think there has to be a line. The, the line must be drawn. Yeah, as Jean-Luc Picard would say. But maybe the writers disagree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. What What do you think? Jesse? uh all right I don't know if he lost me if I lost him if we lost each other if i can if he can even hear me uh find out in a moment I can hear you damn it <laughs> good <laughs> outstanding uh, all right and he'll be right back uh, yeah he's got to dial back in this happens occasionally with uh, skype unfortunately. So we'll wait for him to come back in in just a second. But uh, as I was saying, it um, this idea being presented, I think it's dangerous in a lot of ways. I think the idea of someone throws this video out there and makes this demand, um, and you have to start thinking about your, your image, uh, I think... I don't think image is that important, I guess. I think you have to think about the, the greater good in the sense of what is best for humanity. Jesse, are you there?
2: I am. I heard, I I heard, uh, I heard you pitch it to me there about giving in the ransom demands and as to whether this would be something that would continue. Um, I don't, Man, I don't know. He, the point of that episode is to put, try and put you in his position to where mm-hmm. you could try and come up with a, a logical reason or excuse me, a logical solution. And I think at the point where they were, you know, they were trying to come up the one that they had where they were going to green screen his face onto a porn star's body um, and, you know, have it done at that point in time was great. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the way that the ransomer laid it out, uh, the kidnapper laid it out, as, said it you, you has to be done these specific ways, and he couldn't get around it. So it was tough for them to it, – it was. It, it's meant to make you feel <clears throat> put in a box. What can you do? Right. Uh, as I for guess, me personally – uh,
1: I guess that's the question is I don't even know if I would have gone as far as to try to cheat. I, I guess that that's my point is my belief is that you, is that when faced with unreasonable demands in an unreasonable situation, um, your only option is just, you know, is, is to, to quote, you know, the, the, Captain America line, plant yourself like a tree and say, no, you move. You know, and I, I, <laughs> but
2: Here's the thing you had, the solution is something that you can do. You can do that. You can, as nasty as it is, you can go fuck a pig and everything would be okay. And okay, but that, that,
1: but, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, no. I, I, what were you going to say?
1: I don't think it's, – it's not, it's not that uh, – this is going to sound really funny and someone out there is going to take what I'm about to say and it's going to take it completely out of context. <laughs> it's not that I'm against fucking the pig. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I am, <laughs> but in principle, I'm against fucking the big. But it—that's it, not really what I'm focusing on. My—it doesn't matter if it's—I want a million dollars. It's I, the concept I want...
2: of giving in. Right. Is that what you're? Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. It's as humiliating as that in, that particular act is. I don't. I, I think any given to demand is a humiliation and no humiliation must be endured okay because i think it just leads to more humiliation
2: but so you're going to let this princess die yeah well wow you're going to let this guy kill somebody when everybody knows that you have it in your power to make sure. Now we're not just saying this isn't some closed room stuff. This is everybody across the nation of England knows that you have the power to make sure that this person does not get killed. And if you remember right, this Duchess wasn't just, you know, some shut in, this was a a beautiful (laughs) lady who was out and about. And you know, they think they were referred to her as like an eco warrior or something like that. So she had people adored this lady and you, sir, would be the one saying, nope, you're going to die. You move, you're going to die. Now, clearly, political, politically-wise, I mean, they're going to say that that's political suicide. You're not coming back from that. But we're, again, not only do you have to worry about that, but you have to worry about having a death on your conscience. You will have to go to bed every night and know that because you didn't do that one nasty, disgusting act, somebody died because of it. Now, it's not because it was at your hand, but you're going to feel really guilty because you had the opportunity to stop it. I'm not made for politics because of that kind of bullshit, but that's – I think the moral qualm in there
0: –
2: I understand where you're coming from. And there was another There was another side of this that I wanted to pitch back to you uh, that I think was – as big as the whole political, you know, putting yourself in his shoes. Let me ask you this. If you were just some schlub on the street while this was going on, okay? And I think this was another big statement that they were trying to make. Would you have been watching that on TV at that time?
1: No. Number one, I would not have watched. Okay. Um, All right. I'm not going to watch the Golden Globes. I'm certainly not going to watch some dude fuck a pig. Um <laughs> <laughs> About the same level of entertainment, if you ask me. But uh, <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Golden Globe, same as bestiality. Um, <laughs> look, I, there's a great line in the movie, I think it's Men in Black, where I, it's something along the lines of Will Smith saying to Tommy Lee Jones, but, but people are smart, they'll figure it out. He goes, no, individuals are smart. People in large quantities are really dumb. And, 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 you know, there's there's the psychological concept of the mob mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, individually, you can reason with a human being. That is what I do for a living. I, one-on-one, try to reason with individuals. But those individuals grouped together devolve into this organism that becomes completely self-serving. And irrational Okay, if, if you think about This last election cycle We had a guy run for president By telling people Lies Huge whoppers like, like extraordinary Type of lies That could be easily debunked With just a little bit of a Google search For fuck's sake My father and I were writing about The exact things he was lying about Years ago Okay. Wow. This man went out there and said, We can make America great again. And he was talking about re- the return of the manufacturing job. The low skill, high paid, 1950s, the world was rebuilding itself from World War II manufacturing type jobs, which are gone. They have been replaced by technology. They're not coming back. Yeah. At this point, you have to be educated in technology in order to continue to evolve with the current job market. And if you can't do that, you're not employable. This is not 1920 where you work in a, a factory and make widgets. Um... And but he told people those jobs I can bring those jobs back, and because people are are are, you know in in large quantities, people like yeah that sounds reasonable. I mean, (laughs) so you know, I'm not even going to get into the immigration stuff because that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. But the point that I'm trying this isn't like a pro Trump anti Trump thing. The point is individually. I think if you put, if you put someone like Donald Trump in front of a person, I think a lot of what he says, you can, you can just pierce right through and you see that it's, that he's just sort of, you know, a, a marketing brand with a mouth. And yeah. you see that, the that, you know, that, that there's, you know, that behind <laughs> the big great ball of, of fiery head, you know, it's just an old Jewish man pulling at levers. The wizard of Oz reference. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But in large quantities, it was like, yeah, we believe you. Like, no one's questioning anything he says. Yeah. And so to, to take this back to the episode, like, how this all relates is that I think you need to know as a leader that in large quantities, the masses are dumb. And the masses will make terrible decisions and make unreasonable demands. I demand you bring us back to the 1950s when white men ruled everything. Yes. If you elect me, that's exactly what I will do. Hooray! You've won Ohio. We demand that you fuck a pig and save a princess. And here's what I'm saying to you. The answer to that is no. That's an unreasonable demand. You're setting an unreasonable precedent. That nonsense should rule the day based on mob rule. And I don't believe that that's true. And I think that's my major major struggle with the theme of this episode, is that the writers would have you believe that this is the direction that that, that someone would go. And I think many people would go in that direction. Um, But that doesn't make it right. And... I, I, I really struggled a little bit with the arc of the story because of of those reasons. Um, and maybe things are different in Britain than they are in America, but I don't think like I don't think you could adapt that for an American audience with American actors and, and American ideals. I think if you you know, I think if you had like, an American president in that same role you know, p- p- tell George Bush, Jr., tell George W. Bush, if you don't truck a pig on live TV, we're killing Chelsea Clinton. And George <laughs> Bush starts dropping bombs <laughs> on California within an hour of of that. I guarantee it. I, I, I guarantee George Bush is going to, you know, gets, gets, gets on television and goes, well, you know, it's hard, but... I'm going to have to start dropping nuclear bombs and what, you know, the first thing that's going is Hollywood. Cause fuck those people. Now, I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see the American mentality by and large buying into that. I mean, we're the, we're, we, you know, president Ronald Reagan, we don't negotiate with terrorists. I mean, we do, but we, but he says we don't, well, there's a reason why he says that. So, some we're, an, we're, in a,
2: we're in an age where not only are you having to deal with terrorists, though, what this show or what this episode shows you, that you have to deal with a mass public opinion. So, do you negotiate with terrorists or do you negotiate with the public? Uh, and that's right. You know, that's another
1: theme that I'm coming a, out of here. You, you become a leper, basically. Do you become yeah. a public leper? Or do you sacrifice your dignity? And if you're asking me personally, I'll be a leper.
2: <laughs> Bombs are being Hate dropped.
1: Me. Hate me if you must, but I will do the right thing. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Sp- Spock called me that. I think. <laughs> Trek- oh, Star Trek. <laughs> uh,
2: I think, I think the, the great part about this episode is that there really isn't. I mean, there isn't an easy answer. It's just not easy to come up with what you would do. You may personally feel it should be done one way, but you know, three or four other people will want to disagree with you. Uh, what
1: I would, what did, go ahead? What did you think of, what did you think of the episode? We've, we've talked about some of the big ideas in it. We haven't really talked about the craft, the acting, how it was laid out, the story. I would like to hear some of those things. Um, what, what did you think?
2: I will be extremely honest and tell you that I'm probably one of the weakest people here on the Radilich and broadcasting network when it comes to critiquing, like uh, how something's acted out. I mean, I, I, I was invested in the story. I mean, me personally, mm-hmm. I was invested in the story. Uh, I think everybody who, uh, who was on there did a fine job and what they were supposed to do. I really felt, you know, <laughs> I came this close, Mark Radilich, to when I posted the black mirror uh, post today, I, I almost posted the picture of him that well, the one that I sent to you. I almost put that on Facebook because that 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 shot of him walking in to the room and the pig is sitting there just
0: <laughs>
2: slopping up its food and he knows what he has to do and that he's going to have to do in like thirty seconds. Uh it was shot like that for a reason. It was it was shot well to make you understand he's walking into something that he absolutely does not want to have any part of, and this is what lies before him. Um, I can't really say that I was not impressed with it. I know that when I sat down and watched this episode first, you know this is this is the one episode if you're going to start in a Black Mirror, this is what brings you in. Uh, and when we talk about these next episodes, you'll find that this is probably. The least of all, actually, I think of all, this, of all the series, excuse me, of all the episodes of each season out there, this is probably the one that's more grounded in our reality that we could probably see happening possibly tomorrow. I mean, I don't see any fallacy with something, with something similar like this to happening, uh, you know, within, within the next 10 minutes, just like they said. So,
0: hey,
1: let, me, I, uh, let, me, let, let me pitch to you this idea, and then we'll, yeah. we'll sort of ease out of this. If someone were to, in real life, or even on just on a TV show, let, let, let's say they, they decided to do a Americanized version of this, um, okay. but it's Donald Trump. So if Donald Trump <laughs> doesn't fuck a farm animal, <laughs> someone's going to die. Who is that someone? What, do you, what celebrity? Because... Because in, in America we don't have we don't have royalty in the uh, no, classical sense. We have no. Hollywood royalty. Okay, we we have celebrity royalty. So the Queen graced us with her opinion at the Golden Globes. Meryl Streep, she's our Queen. We mm-hmm. all love her. <laughs> um, sure. So so you know. And Michelle Obama, she's our queen too. We we love her and her big strong arms. Um, she can do no wrong. <laughs> um. So my, my question. No, this, to would, you, this this is would
2: have of, to be. I I know where you're going. You're going to ask me who would be cast in that spot. Who would be that person? Yeah. If that actually. Taylor happened? Swift.
1: Would the, if, would America demand Donald Trump fuck a pig to save Taylor Swift? Is that how this goes? Uh, now.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. It has to be somebody that they that that people are in love with uh and there is it has to be an overwhelming uh opinion positive opinion on this person so taylor swift i would say is up there i I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. any of the i wouldn't say the card any of the kardashians or anything like that even though they are massively one of the you know one of the biggest uh pop icons out there but I mean come on it's got to be somebody that's loved for the right reasons because that's kind of they pitched this like it was almost kind of like a princess die. Uh so right. who I would hmm who else is like out there throw some names out there for me Mark Rattles. You said Taylor Swift who else is like, got a genuinely good soul does all the good work for uh you know in in a lot of people's eyes and can you think of anybody right. else other than Taylor Swift
1: all right, so like two forty-ish year old uh, white men are really the wrong people to ask what celebrity is beloved in America. <laughs> go with your daughter. Now. Send her. A, yeah, you're... Send her a tweet. <laughs> send her a text message. Go, you know, ask her. I would have uh, to. Go ahead. Let
2: me see if she's up. I will see if she's up. You you start thinking or do some research and continue on, and we'll find. I'll, I'll yeah. we'll revisit this here in a second.
1: Um i will I'll just go ahead and give my assessment of the episode. I actually wish they'd stayed with this. like I want now somebody to sort of take this episode and let this be like the pilot for uh, just an entire like Netflix series about this prime minister. I wanted to I really did want to know what happened next um, i also I like the speed at which it moved. Uh, you know I know but Robert Winfrey and i la- uh, last year we reviewed Money Monster. And I know he thought it was just a turkey and a half, but I that, that, that's another example of something where I like the frenetic political pace of things uh, of some of certain shows. And so this thing really did move. And I and I was engrossed in what was happening right from the start, which is in sharp yeah, contrast was, to the next episode.
2: This was an hour long, right? Was this first one an hour or was it 45 minutes? It was 44
1: minutes.
2: Okay. All right. Because that to me is, I think, what they should have stuck with throughout the rest of the series. 44 minutes felt good. It felt tight. It wasn't, you know, at 30 minutes, I would have been saying this is way too short of an episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. But 44 minutes, just like you said, it felt like it, it, it it felt nice and complete and compact to me. You said you wanted to see it continue. I, I felt it was, I felt it was just right.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. Kira where, is, not, Kira is not
2: getting back. Kira is not getting back to me, by the way. I've sent her a message. I don't, she hasn't been feeling so well, so I don't know if she's still awake or not, but if she sends something back, I'll pop in.
1: All right. Um, well, my wife is asleep and she is also a appreciator of the celebrity royalty in this world and the real royalty. She, she digs the, the British royalty. Big fan of the crown, by the way. Uh, which will be getting its own TV party later in the year. Um, so, all right. So, uh, if you're listening to this and you want to uh, send us a message, uh, you can hit Jesse up on Twitter or you can hit me up on Facebook. Um, send me an email, carrier pigeon, YouTube video—I don't care. But uh, it, you know. <laughs> but I, but that's that. I think it would have to be Taylor Swift. She seems to be universally loved in this country, and I can't yeah, think of really I... of anybody else
2: other than maybe, like I, I mean said, maybe
1: michelle obama right now
2: okay yeah i mean there's there's possibly you'd have to i think you're going to have to go music scene or possibly movie scene which can you mm-hmm. think of any female movie celebrities off the top of your head no
1: yeah, no see. because everyone's got baggage um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I whoever, whoever like oh, Natalie Portman. Well, she deserves to die because of the Phantom Menace. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's move on. Um, I think we can both say that we we really like this episode. It's a good first start with yeah. uh, with Black Mirror. I think we covered all the political, sociological, uh, technological elements of it. Um, actually, just. I don't know how realistic the idea of anonymity is um, at a government level. Uh, I mean, they said in the episode several times they couldn't find this guy. And even when they thought they could, it ended up being a decoy. Uh, I don't know how real that is. I don't have the technical expertise to say, no, eventually they find you. Because we joke about it all the time on here that, you know, the 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 government's listening to my podcasts and all this other stuff. But and I know they can, but I don't know if they are. I mean, I I remember my dad telling me that in like Germany there was there was so, and in Russia I think they had so many spies and so many uh ways to collect information. There was actually too much information for the for any one person to really sort through where it could be useful. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. You know, so I, I, I don't know how much the government can actually spy on what you're doing down to they can get your location. Mm -hmm. I know it's possible, but I don't know how, if you're going out of your way to be anonymous, I don't know how far you'd have to go or or if it's even possible to go far enough where you're as anonymous as the situation is presented in this episode. Um, in either case, just as, just to draw a final point on this, I think the concept of on a very basic level, the concept of having your life ruined by a YouTube video is absolutely a danger that freaks me out, um, and not because I think like someone 's going to be like eh, if rattle it doesn 't fuck a pig blah 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 yackety Uh it 's more of you know, like my daughter, for example, over the Christmas holiday, she did a she did a video with her dolls and stuff. Like, you know, she watches a lot of these like toy videos that kids yeah. upload, and she she did her own basically. I have all the raw footage on my computer. I haven't cut it up into episodes yet. I just haven't had the time. You know, with the pneumonia and all.
2: <laughs> you um, can. You can. You can go actually go onto my YouTube channel and see I did something very similar a few years back. The Green Goblin mm. versus Santa. So go ahead.
1: Nice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was going to make her own, like, YouTube page and everything else. And, my, and the first thing out of my wife says, do we really want to expose the six-year-old to the horrible world of YouTube comments? Yeah. And, and it's like, just to say that out loud, you know... There's all these other implications that, we're, that we were discussing, which I'm not going to go back and retread, but just at a very basic level, the, the sort of day-to-day, um, even by virtue of just doing a podcast like this. Now, we don't get a lot of comments. We get none um, on, the actual blog, <laughs> on the actual BPR website. Um, and we really don't get a lot of comments on the Facebook page either, the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network Facebook page. But I, but the information is out there and we do get listens and people can make comments, you know? And so there's always the possibility of being humiliated uh, by virtue of the fact that, you know, I, I put myself out there, you put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just something that that's just something you just have to live with. It's a, it's a part of your life. Uh, and how that can get turned around, you know, a couple of years ago, this is sort of my final point on this. I remember talking to Broad again on one of our various political shows, and it used to be if you went to school, you got bullied, you know, you got called a whore, you got called fat, uh, whatever. And when you at least went home, you were safe. You if you had a decent home environment, at least you got a couple of hours where you you know could get away from the bullies. Yeah. Now. Someone starts up a blog that says, you know, so-and-so is, a, you know, a big fat com, you know, <laughs> or, or, or puts up a video or, or on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever, you know, of footage they shot with their cell phone of you and, you know, with, with the headline or, or underscore or whatever, so-and-so is a big fat whore. And it's like, it just never ends. Like, you, you, that, you know... So in that sense, you know, you really can't stop it.
0: Is it as extreme
1: as, you know, you have to fuck a pig or the princess dies? No. But maybe in some ways, on a very individual level, it's even more horrifying. So in that yeah. sense, I, the, 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 this, is, this episode did elicit a sympathetic viewpoint from me. Because not everybody is armed with clear weapons. So, um... He's dropping bombs I'm dropping bombs, baby (laughs) You will return the princess or I will nuke the world Um, I'm mad, I tell you, mad, simply mad Alright, let's let's talk about the shitty episode
2: Oh, the shitty episode
1: The shitty episode, god damn
2: This was the one where I thought I'm going to lose my wife's interest now each and every single one of these episodes, except for the very first one, which I, she caught, uh, I retreaded it or retreaded, I replayed it today and she came in and caught the last like five or 10 minutes of it. But each and every one of these, she sat down and watched with me, which I was very pleased. She's not a twilight zone fan. I mentioned twilight zone earlier. She could give a crap less. And I think a lot of that's because it's in black and white. So I kind of, was like, oh, I don't know if she's gonna like this stuff or not. So she started here with me on this one. Uh, fifteen million merits. And I you know, I thought, well, I'm gonna lose her. This is this is the last time I'll <laughs> see her in here watching this with me. <laughs> because I, I felt the same way. This one kinda this one kinda drug on. Uh, but go go ahead, sir.
1: All right. This is shit this episode. It really is. <laughs> um <laughs> All right. I, I, and I had to actually read, like, I could follow the first episode without having to read the wiki. And I only needed to go back because I kind of missed the, the part about the, the artist. Um, you know, and it might have just been I was distracted. But this one, I literally had to read the plot synopsis because I did not understand what was happening. So I'm just <laughs> going to read this verbatim. Okay. Verbatim. 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 The episode is a satire on entertainment shows and the insatiable thirst for distraction set in a sarcastic version of a future reality. In this world, everyone must cycle on exercise bikes in order to power their surroundings and generate currency called merits. Everyday activities are constantly interrupted by advertisements that cannot be skipped or ignored without financial penalty. Obese people are considered to be second-class citizens and either work as cleaners around the machines They receive verbal abuse or are humiliated on game shows. Bingham Bring Madsen has inherited 15 million merits from his dead brother and thus has the luxury of skipping advertisements as often as he likes. In the toilet, he overhears Abby singing and encourages her to enter into an X-Factor-style game show called Hot Shot, which offers a chance for people to get out of their slave-like world around them. Bing persuades her and, feeling there is nothing real worth buying, Purchases the ticket for her, costing him his entire inheritance of fifteen million merits. Uh, the judges Ouch. uh and the crowd enjoy her cover of anyone who knows what love is, but they state there is no room for an above average singer and instead give her the chance to become an adult actress on a pornographic T V station. <laughs> after goading after goading from the judges and the crowd and drugged on the substance called compliance, compliance in a cup, uh, Abby reluctantly agrees. Bing By the way, real quick,
2: his... real quick, real quick. Anyone who knows mm-hmm. what love is, just put a pin in that. If we revisit these next seasons, that's the thing I was talking about. That kind of uh, when I was talking about continuity. That's mm-hmm. the only, that acts That song actually pops up season two and season three. But go ahead.
1: Okay. Uh, Bing returns to a cell without Abby or any merits, when an advert showing Abby performing a sexual act appears on the screen, he can't. He loses it his as... shit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and desperately tries to escape his cell ramming the door until the glass breaks he hides a shard of glass under his bed over some time he leads a frugal lifestyle and is shown cycling harder than anyone else saving up 15 million merits to buy another competition ticket he patiently waits in the hotshot room until he is called to compete on stage he interrupts his dance performance draws a shard of glass and threatens to kill himself live on the show he tearfully rants about how unfair the system is and how the heart and how heartless people have become, and expresses his anger for how the judges took away corrupt and sold the only thing he found that was real. Yeah, he whines, basically. The judges, instead of taking his words into consideration, are impressed by his performance and offer him his own show, where he can rant about the system all he likes. Bing accepts oh, wow. and is later shown finishing one of his streams in the penthouse. Uh, he pours himself a fresh orange juice and stands staring at a wall-length window, at a vast green forest stretching to the horizon. In a cell much larger than his original, it appears to be real as a parallax effect is visible as the camera recedes. Okay, Hmm. I think part of my problem, um, and this is this is very much a craft thing, you know, with dystopian type futures, there's always a lot of bland color, you know, things are washed out. Uh, It's all gray or destroyed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't make for a very interesting uh, visual, number one. So, you know, so as, as much as I have, as many dystopian futures as I've witnessed uh, through the various courses of media, I, media I've consumed, uh, it, it lost me almost initially just because I got tired of looking at everyone in fucking tracksuits, gray tracksuits <laughs> against gray walls, riding gray bikes, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, um, watching people ride bikes for the majority of that episode, this is 62 minutes. And, I, and 40 <laughs> of it is bike riding. I'm like, what the fuck? Watching oh, people watch commercials, what the fuck? So, uh, this is one of those where this would have been better off as like a 10 minute skit, not a 62 minute ep- uninterrupted episode. It mm-hmm. was just. From a craft point of view, there was too much repetition. There was too much blandness. And then, you know, if the story you're trying to tell is that man lives in dystopian future where nothing is real, finds love, finds heart, loses those things to um, you know lack of integrity, uh, goes crazy, tells people there's no integrity. Gets rewarded with show about telling people there's no integrity. One, I've seen this before, and uh, who fucking cares? The, the, the headline news: the world is shitty. <laughs> yeah. Home at eleven. Um. And, and number two, it's like. So you're, so you're, your big theme here is hey wake up everybody, entertainment is shit. You know, it's, it's packaged. Okay. We get it. And it's not changing and there's nothing we can do about it. And oh, by the way, it wouldn't be this way if we weren't shitty consumers to begin with. Hence the phrase, this is why we can't get anything nice. You know, this is the kind of thing that Winfrey and I talk about all the time that you get shitty movies and shitty TV. Well, not so much shitty TV anymore. But you get a lot of shitty movies like Batman v Superman because it still made almost nine hundred million dollars. People went and fucking saw the thing. Mm-hmm. You know the executives at Warner Brothers can get away with just make a shitty Batman movie. It's going to make a billion dollars anyway. Who gives a fuck? Uh, okay, I just have to answer a question on Factor Fiction about should Cody Garbrandt, the guy who just won the B- the bantamweight title, fight Jose Aldo? The featherweight champion. Neither of which is a draw, by the way. But because we're so now conditioned to quote unquote money weight fights, there's a consideration that these two not draws fight each other because they both have fake belts. Who fucking cares? But because people are drawn to that sort of thing, you know, there's, there's you know, people just watch Conor McGregor, who was who an actual draw, win two fake belts. And they are fake at this point the, the UC's belts mean nothing they are ornaments um, I mean they, they, they rank just above wWE belts that are you know, <laughs> Wow <laughs> props <laughs> at this point <laughs> um, but I but I digress uh, but like I said we're conditioned to watch these spectacles these circuses and we lap them up and it's like Oh, I'm going to sit here and write this episode commenting on that sort of thing and how terrible it is, how gauche that we laugh, we continue to laugh, lap up subpar entertainment. Okay, see the previous conversation about mom mentalities being shitty and fucking get over it. <laughs> I, as, as a concept, as a theme, and as a presentation, this show was 100% fail for me.
2: Didn't like it, huh? No. Didn't like it. it no. There's there's one aspect from it that I that I took and I agree 100% I think this is something that should have been way shorter. Uh because I remember watching the show and I had to get to a podcast. And when she ended up uh you know going on to the stage and then proceeded to be drafted into the pornographic channel and he starts going crazy. I remember looking at my wife, I said, I've got to, you know, I've got to get downstairs podcasts about to start. Uh, how much longer we got here? You know, so I hit pause real quick. And I was like, there's another fucking 15 minutes of this thing to go. And <laughs> at this point, you know, he's beating his head against the, he's beating his head against the wall. He's about to lose his shit in his, his cell. But, um, anyway, one of the things that I think kind of, I, I that I took from it and and you, you sort of mentioned it in, and what you were talking about, is a media-driven society. Uh, you know, you watched – weren't you watching a competition show like um, – uh, was it Kid Chef or something? Top Kid Chef or something?
1: Uh, the Kid Baking Challenge.
2: Okay. All right. So this is a competition show. Clearly it's, you know, it's kids involved, so it's not as cutthroat or as crazy as American Idol or like they were talking about here, X Factor. But there's a bit of a challenge there. There's a bit of a, um, a competition to try, and, to try and reach that top spot uh, and, and get granted whatever you get. I don't know. What do these kids get if they win?
1: Um, okay, not that one. I think that one might have, might have just been money, but okay. the Rachel the Rachel Ray versus Guy Fieri kids cook off challenge. The uh-huh. winner of that one, the kid actually got his own show on the Cooking Network.
2: Okay, all right. So these kids got skills. <clears throat> they put them together. They put them to the test against each other to try and figure out who's the top. And of course, at, you know, at the top spot that you get, not only do you get whatever you know reward that they have, but you're on a freaking TV show. You're going to be uh, you're going to be popular amongst your friends at least that you've been on TV. We watched you on TV and we watched you win. And, and there's that drive for somebody that <clears throat> we look at these people in this show where they're just really it's it is a it's an allegory to our life, Mark Radlich. All right, now me and you do this podcast thing, at least as far as, right now, obviously, I don't have any money invested in this thing. I know you do, but I don't know what your plans are to turn this around and make it something big, or if you're just planning on keeping it a hobby the rest of your life.
1: $5 Um, Facebook
2: ads. (laughs) So so you would love for somebody to listen to one of our shows. I, I have a feeling that it wouldn't hurt your feelings any. If somebody listened to our shows... Shared it, and it was somebody who was you know a a very popular podcaster and all of a sudden the rattleling and broadcasting network caught fire, okay This show is kind of an allegory for our life where me and you are just continually going to the bike, working our jobs, cycling, cycling cycling making that making them merits, making that making that pay, and then coming back and doing something that we love to do, and hoping that it catches fire. Now, the only way – and the, these people, is take taken to the extreme because all they're doing is going to the cycle, and then maybe they have a shot at becoming somebody more and getting out of that cell and doing something that they love to do uh, for millions of people to watch and enjoy, and plus they make a lot of money and live a lot better. Uh, and that happens. What, what happens here is, of course, the lady gets her shot because some guy has a little bit of faith in her, our main character. Who has a little bit of faith in her and just basically purchases her ticket with all the money that he has, so she can go on X Factor, whatever it is, and and sing her heart out. And the one talent she brings and wows everybody, uh, wows everybody with it's it's she's got a beautiful voice and she can sing. But what? What does she end up doing? What was the one thing you quoted this actually on the Flintstones episode, if I remember correct, Mark, what was the one thing that this, this society, this show was interested in?
1: Her tits. Show me your tits.
2: (laughs) That is again, just like you said, it's, it's, we've seen this shit before. Yes, Yes. We're, we're tired of, we know Hollywood's a shitty place and becoming popular Uh, and a movie star or, you know, an internet TV sensation, whatever. It has its drawbacks, especially when you want to try and continue. If you're faced with that thing where they say, well, hey, yeah, you do a great podcast. However, we would love for you to spend, you know, uh, at least 30 minutes talking about uh, the liberal stances that we have here.
1: You're like, "Uh, I
2: don't know if I can do that.
1: So so let me tell you.
2: You can get out of yourself for that.
1: Go ahead. So let me tell you a quick story. So back when I was doing the 411 Ground and Pound uh, radio show, um, you know Jeff Harris has been a longtime panel member. Uh, he's also a, write, a paid writer for 411. Uh, and one of the assets that he brings to 411 is that because of his proximity to the film industry, he gets, he gets to see a lot of uh, what you call them screenings for films which means he goes to see the films earlier than everybody else. And he gets to do his reviews and the reviews go up same day as the movie premieres, Um, which is part of, I think, why they pay him. He, he actually brings value to 411. Um, But, and and for a while there, Jeff was also using what cachet and uh, what uh, instruments, what, what abilities he had, to go to live UFC events and provide live coverage, and the live on the scene coverage was a, was a valuable thing for 411 to have versus what I and what Robert Winfrey now does, which is the sit on your couch and and review the show <laughs> or or the, write write about the show as it's happening. Yeah, cover the show. Uh, he he was the live man on the scene. So again, in in two different cases, Jeff was a valuable asset for the website and in turn, uh, Jeff got to do something uh, that was worthwhile to him. He got to be a live, paid writer. Um, But I I would notice, and, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn because this is just, not only heard this from me, but many people have gone on to 411 and said, Jeff is a shill. Jeff promotes certain movies and criticizes others of the same quality or similar quality seemingly because of his, uh, of of, of the paid nature of his his ability to see these things. In Uh other words, in other words, um, he, he will give something good marks, not necessarily because he thinks it's good, but because he wants to keep those lines of communication open.
0: Yeah. It, it obviously is an influence.
1: Movies. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and not so much with the movies that I notice it, but I definitely noticed it with MMA that he, I, I was very vocally critical of Dana White and still am. Cause I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> and the UFC and I'll tell anyone that's willing to listen uh, how I feel about it. Um, And he would get very upset because I was risking his access to the UFC. Now, I've applied too, and I got turned down. And now whether I got turned down because I'm a fucking nobody knowing nothing, or I got turned down because someone heard me say some shit and said, we don't want you at our events. I don't know. Didn't tell me. Might have just been I'm a nobody knowing nothing. You know? Might have been I was too small fry. Too many people, you know... But, it, but, but amazingly, Larry Zonka was able to get into these shows. Jeff Harris was able to get into some of these shows. And I was able to get to a Bellator show, but somehow or other not able to get into a similar UFC show that Jeff Harris and Larry Zonka got into. Now, again, I firmly believe, and the fact that Jeff used to react the way that he did b- leads me to believe that this is true. That, at least on some level, his never criticizing the UFC benefited him. And my decidedly, constantly criticizing the UFC barred me from participation in their live, in their live event as a reporter.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I said at the time, and I will say it again, and I'm going to say it now. I would rather be barred from these events from, as a reporter then sell myself out, it isn't worth it. I'll go do something else. That, you know, I, I feel like my right to give an honest opinion matters more than being paid to write an, uh, a dishonest opinion of something.
2: So clearly and, the, they come to you and they say, show us your tits. You're going to be like, no. Honestly, you've, you've got to look at what I'm saying here. I want you to pay attention to the words that are coming out of my mouth, not the appearance of what I'm writing. Uh, you know, you're, you're saying that the honesty that's coming from your soul is more, is obviously, it has more weight uh, to it and is more worth to it than
1: to shill, right. as you were saying. My integrity is worth more to me than access. Yes. And if that means okay. that the Rattling and Broadcasting Network is always going to run around the same circle, you know, with a, you know with, with a similar number of listens per show, then such is my fate and the fate of this network. But I will not sell out my integrity. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. You know, some, someone might listen to this going, well, that's fucking you, buddy, but I got bills to pay. Okay. I got bills to pay too. I sh- now. The funny thing about that is I've actually been accused by, by, by inmates. Like, why do you work in a broken, you know, criminal justice system that ruins so many lives when you can go do something else? And that's a fair question. I'm not going to answer it, but it's a fair question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's a podcast and a discussion for another day, but I, I see value in what I do. And I see enough value in what I do that I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to continue to work in said broken system to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I do not see the value in giving something a dishonest opinion so that I can have access to it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, oh, yeah. like, I oh, yeah. like I think the work that I do is more valuable than being a entertainment reporter, basically sure jeff feels different this is he made this his life's work and i don't blame him for it but i'm not jeff harris and he's not mark Rattledge. so mm-hmm. relating this back to um, this episode the idea that uh you know uh, this girl you know this girl's value as a singer was um, less than the value of her of her looks of her bo- of her uh, sex appeal yeah. Uh, uh-huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right that is the society we live in be different if you don't like it I don't know what to tell you <laughs> like but I'm thoroughly disinterested in that as a concept
2: I, yeah and I think the other part of the social commentary I, that I saw in here was you know the only way, I mean, there were people lined up in the back trying to get a shot on this show so they could get out of their humdrum lives. And it took this one guy, you know, he he bought this girl a ticket, all that shit went wrong, he went home, cried about it, got pissed off, made a bunch more, you know, made the same amount of money, got back onto the show, and then took it, you know, took his opinion to the extreme. That was the other thing that I thought was, the only way that he would have gotten noticed it was so funny how he got rewarded for this extreme measure that he went to in front of millions of people. Oh, yeah, congrats. Uh, dude, oh, that's wonderful. We're going to give you your own show. We're going to pay you money for coming out here so you can speak your opinion. Everybody fucking speaks their opinion. But this one guy, because he threatened to do it to take his own life, that's, he got this shot to become uh, – you know, he got his opportunity to get out of a cell or get a bigger cell uh, that, that was a lot prettier. Um, and it, it, it was just a neat way of them – that's the only other thing I took away from this episode is the fact that they showed how ridiculous we can be when it comes to rewarding somebody that does, goes to these extreme measures because they're on TV uh, we're we're going to pay them millions of dollars. That fucking shit happens all day long in the United States of America, around the world. So anyway, that, that's the other thing I took from this. You, you said you didn't like it. Again, I agree. Too long. It, wasn't, it didn't have me. It didn't have me. I missed the last 15 minutes. I still never went back and watched them. I hopped on the wiki afterwards and figured out what happened. So I wasn't too invested in this show. But, uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy, again, I enjoyed it. So, uh, but not, definitely not as good as the first one.
1: No. All right. So let's move on to, um, the entire history of you.
2: Ooh. Um, I, I, I like this one.
1: Now we're back to a 44 minute episode as opposed to 62 and 44 minutes is about right yeah. for these things. Um, here's the, here's the the sum total of this episode. Uh, Everyone has what they call a grain, which is basically a chip that records uh, everything you see and do. And you're able Mm -hmm. to play it back and you're able to project it onto screens and watch it, whatever. And you're focusing on the Toby Kebbell character, Liam Foxwell. Uh, Starts out, he's at like a a job appraisal, and then he goes to a party uh, where his wife is already there. As it turns out, a wife's old friend is at this party and he kind of makes a spectacle out of himself. Um, Sort of a long dinner party uh, sequence where he basically talks about, you know, drawing up memories of sex that he's had (laughs) with other people, um, (laughs) which Liam um, reacts to. And, And basically the episode is this. Liam figures out that his wife slept with this guy uh, and that, the, that the, the story that she told um, w- wasn't true. And not only was it not true that they were together longer than she had initially said, but that she re- as recently as I think like 18 months uh, had slept with him and he may or may not be the father of their child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's not the point of the episode. The point of the episode is about memory and obsessing over memory. Uh, And I think that's what was horrifying to me. Because I have some vivid memories that I can't shake and I wish someone would hit me with a bat and I would lose them forever. Um, I have some great memories but that's just it. They're memories. And you have a character who because of his ability to access memories and play them uh, live in HD loses track of the present because he's so focused on the past. And yes, she cheated on him, but if, you'll, if you paid close attention to the episode, part of the reason why she cheated on him was he was obsessing about a different set of memories at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And without getting into a whole sidetrack about marriage, I certainly don't think... Any marriage would be successful if you can... Oh. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm actually going to relate this to a Mike Birbiglia line. I don't know if you know who Mike Birbiglia is. Yeah. He's yeah a, you, actually,
2: I think you've shared with something. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah, he's a comedian, and um, let's see if I can find it here. He has a line from one of his... actually the title of one of his stand-up shows, um, where it's like, I don't have to be right anymore. I just want to be happy. Something along those lines. You know, and it came about because of a situation where, you know, and, and any guy who's been with a woman knows what this is like, where you... I mean, Chris Rock even talks about, um, about, uh, you know, the, the concept of the, the man has the facts, the man has logic, but he's confronted with a woman who has feelings and emotions and nonsense. And he's like, I have this this crazy, uh, world where I, you know, where I need things to make sense. And, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, you're, you're, like I said, you're always confronted with this idea of, uh, of a woman. who Yes, you may have sex, but I feel this way. And that, and yeah. there's always that conflict. You know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um, Okay, I might have been sleepwalk with me, um, where he talks about this. I gotta, uh, I, I have to go back and look, but it, it's it's one of the specials on Netflix, and I feel like, um, I know, I know it might have been sleepwalk with me because I know he talks about like having um, like like he had a really bad sleepwalking problem where I think he like jumped out of a window at one point. Um,
0: Ooh, jeez.
2: Um, I had a, I, I once had a, a girl sleepwalk when I was in college. Mm-hmm. She she slept walk into my room. All right, now I this was like probably twelve thirty at night. Uh, my roommate who was on the bunk above me watched this girl walk in while I was perfectly asleep. She walks into the middle of the room and then drops her pants. All right. <laughs> So at that point, my buddy looks up at the ceiling because he doesn't understand what's going on. He thought that this girl, which, by the way, I was dating my wife, you know, my, my wife, who was going to be, become my wife at the time. Uh, but anyway, he thought I was two-timing my wife because this girl dropped her pants. And then he looked up at the ceiling, and the next thing you know, when he looked down to say something to her, she was getting in bed with me. Uh, huh. So I w- I, my friend was asleep, completely asleep. And then and, and awoke to her getting in bed with me, to which I, you know, just putting this out there, asleep in my underwear. I didn't know what the hell was going on other than this girl was getting in bed with me. So I immediately shot up like a bolt, went across the room, was, co- you know, held on to my covers and was covering myself. And I looked up at my buddy on the bunk and I said, get her the hell out of here. What the hell's going on? He gets down, shakes her at her wake. She's asleep already in my bed. Two seconds later, she's out. He's waking her up. Hey, you're in the. What's going on? Are you okay? And walks her to the room, out of the room as she goes. Ah, oh, you know she's kind of stumbling over her words. And now here's the thing: every dorm room in that dorm locked except for ours, and we never locked it because we were always in there. There was no reason to usually. So she, we, as soon as she leaves, we lock the door. I look at my buddy Brad, my, my roommate. I said, "What the hell's going on? What'd you do that for? Why'd you put her up to that?" He's like, "I thought she was—I thought she was trying to sleep with you. I didn't know what was going on." It's like, okay, so we need to go find this girl and find out what's going on. So I take one step, and I notice my blankets are wet. It's like, why are my blankets wet? I, Beaver walks. Brad walks over to the middle of the room where she had dropped her pants. She had pissed on the floor. And then got in bed with me, and I stepped in the puddle of piss, and my immediate reaction to get the hell out of there.
0: No. So that's,
2: that was my first, uh, my, my first ever encounter with a sleepwalker. Sure enough, she, she was dating some guy like three doors down, three doors down, and walked into our room, sleptwalk into our room, thinking she was uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs>
2: ah, yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, you were talking about sleepwalking. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I'm trying to find the exact line about needing to be right. But the the the, the point of it is, is that um, I, I can't keep reading this. I won't be able to talk. But uh, Mike Perpiglia talks about this, this idea of like this relationship that he had where you know, like, he knew he was right. Like, logically, he was right. But the woman felt a certain way, and he was having a hard time reconciling that. Um, And, you know, and to round this back to the entire history of you, he trashes his marriage, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, you know you can come back to the idea of, okay, but she cheated on him. You're missing that. That's a huge big piece of this. Okay. But would she have cheated? Had he not been obsessing over a previous boyfriend that she had? Like they don't like they, they mention it and it, and look, like you just see in this guy's behavior, you know, the, the constant forcing of dealing with these memories instead of living in the present.
2: Oh yeah. And like bringing him up, to her like I mean if you had the if you had the technology to do something like that I don't know if you would want to use it like that I mean at one point he's like look at the way you looked at her, looked at him and he'd bring it up on the screen like right there for everybody to fucking see and you would you know she kind of half smiles at this guy and he just obsesses on every little detail um, and there are points in my life where I've clearly been in this guy's shoes now not in the whole marriage aspect of things but that whole i'm very critical of myself and i imagine there are other people out there that are the same way where if you say something one way you're laying in bed that night at 10 o'clock and you're going man i should have maybe said that a different way well imagine if you had the technology to go back and watch every interaction that you had in that day leading up to that night and you could criticize yourself uh, and, right. or, you know, and come up with a better way of okay, maybe well, I'll, I'll, I'll act I'll, like this differently or ha- maybe well, that person
1: I'll go, should... I'll go you one better like I've, and I've had this happen with me and Melissa where like, we're arguing over what I said versus what she said and both of us have a completely different memory of the same incident
0: mm-hmm
1: now and, and and it's like, a lot of those discussions just end with, she thinks one thing was said, I think another thing was said, and it's like, we, we come to an impasse, and it's like, okay, we have to get beyond this now, because we cannot, you know, because now we're, we're not even on the same page. And it's yeah. like, let, let's just find a resolution here, which, is you know, usually, nine out of ten times, it's, it's usually me saying, fine, you remember it, the way you remember it is the way that it happened. And, I, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is that if I could, it, it's not about being right. Because even if I could flash a video of the conversation that i had, it turns out, as I believe, as so often is the case, she is wrong. Her way of, her way of handling being She's wrong. asleep, right? <laughs> um, she may or may not be. Who knows? <laughs> she's
2: outside of the door <laughs> with an axe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. She may be listening to this, and I'm pretty sure she's heard me say these exact words. This is not going to come as any surprise. <laughs> um, but, but her reaction to these things, she, she's not going to react well to being proven wrong. Mm, no. That no, no. Whether you. Whether the facts support your case or it's entirely emotional, she is resting 100% on the idea that she is right, whether she is actually right or she feels right. It it doesn't really matter. And you either have to acknowledge that or you're going to be in trouble. A lot of our resolutions really do reside in the idea of, you feel a certain way. Therefore it is. So, you know, it, it, I think I saw this somewhere where it's like, we no longer live in a world of, I think therefore I am. It's, I feel therefore I am.
0: Mm.
1: Um, which if you want to go and, and talk about that and where it's leading a society, that's a great conversation to have on a different podcast at a different time. Um, <laughs> but but for the sake of my own sanity and my marriage and, and my children and this podcast, I'm comfortable with the idea of someone else saying, I feel therefore I am as frustrating as that might be for me personally. I just learned to deal with it. I learned to adapt. I learned to understand because my relationship with, with that person is more important to me than being right. Yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of times, that's where you land and if you had the opportunity to just you know to, to show somebody look see I have video of you saying something completely different so see see how right I am see how I've now proven my case that never ends well you know have what I mean? you
0: ha, have you
2: ever been in a relationship with a really jealous partner
1: um maybe
2: I mean, I'm not, you don't have to, you can say yes, no, whatever. Uh, I'm just curious because I know a few, you know, I, I have a buddy of mine who I would say almost is this guy's level where he thinks something is going on. And then it just seems like it continues to escalate and escalate and escalate. And I wonder is he making more out of it than needs to be, which is a lot, Of times the case when it comes to somebody like that. Um, You know, that's this guy saw, you know, this, you saw that turn out this guy was right. (laughs) But what he found out in the end is that even though he was right in the fact that there was something that went on and this, his wife had lied to him, uh, and throughout the course of reviewing these events, he realized that she's lied to him more than once. Uh, But at the end, when it was all said and done, dude, he looked at himself in the mirror when he had nothing left. His wife was gone. His kid, his kid was gone. And he had nothing but those memories to look back on uh, that pretty much were a reminder of even though he was right, he was still a failure. It it was it was still a a failing endeavor. It ended up in tragedy and it ended up in heartbreak. Of course, at the end of this, we see where he takes the knife or whatever it is, and he pulls that grain outside of it, pulls it out of his head. Uh, which I, I almost can't blame him for doing something like that. Because now, imagine having memories like we do. We have me and you have, I'm sure, memories of of things that we regret doing in our lives. Um, but imagine being able to watch them over and over and over. And oh, I
1: drive myself crazy. I
2: was absolutely. <laughs>
1: I would absolutely be mad, simply mad.
2: Uh, simply mad, I say. But, yeah, I, so let me ask you, would you have, if you had the opportunity and they said, okay, this technology now exists, are you going to put the grain in your head, Mark Radlich?
1: No. I mean, Say look, no. I, I mean, if I, if I could have a grain that helped me remember uh, data, um, if I, you know, in other words, if number, I had a, number. if I had a, if I had a grain implanted in my head that allowed me to pass medical school and become a psychiatrist so that I can make psychiatry money, see, it's always about money with me. Like I don't really care <laughs> about like doing further work in the field of psychology. I want to prescribe Xanax for pay. Um, <laughs> no one can me I want 120 bucks an hour to give shitty people Xanax so they can't face their problems. That's <laughs> what I want, Jesse Starcher. And if there's a grain out there that will help me amass the technical knowledge to get through medical school so that I can get a medical degree and be a doctor uh, and call myself a psychiatrist and then get the job that pays 120 bucks an hour to give people Xanax, then yeah, I'm putting the grain in my head. Um, but, but if, if it's going to just record my shitty memories of terrible conversations, no, thanks.
2: You know, you remember that there's, there's a point at the dinner table where they're, uh, they're entertaining those guests and there's a lady there that doesn't have a grain in her head and notice that she calls it grain free and not grain less. Mm -hmm. Because clearly there's a bit of freedom to not having to relive or wanting to relive those memories over and over and having the capacity to do so. Um, Fun show. I enjoyed this one a lot. I remember watching this one with my wife and we were, oh, dude, our eyes were glued to the screen. This is definitely, you know, this was not only was the the technological sci-fi aspect there, but we had the whole Lifetime movie, oh shit, this guy snapped some girls pregnant, that kept my wife entertained as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I was, I was into this, and like I said, the, the, the concept of the on-demand memory and becoming obsessive and pushing it in people's faces and everything, um, uh, I found that to be more horrifying than being hostaged into fucking a pig. <laughs>
2: I don't think we're far off from, I mean, I don't think we're going to have, in our lifetimes, I don't think we're going to have a chip in our brain and and cameras in our eye sockets. But Google Glasses out there, we're not far off from all of our history being recorded. Uh, You just look at, the easiest parallel that I can bring up is, you look at the amount of photographs that were being taken 10 years ago, well, 20 years ago, and compare it to now. Holy shit, how many more pictures of Jonas do you have than Lily? Just because technology has grown that much well, you know more.
1: You know what's funny? Like I was, I'm not really into like selfies, but because of the combination of cell phone cameras and Facebook, I do goofy shit now you know, as far as like taking pictures that I would never have if <laughs> we were still in the camera and no social, me- no, no, no social media age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know, dude. And then, I mean, Facebook gives me that, like, that instant satisfaction of, look, I can share my nonsense with people. And, you know, uh, and that is definitely a big generator of more nonsense from me. But, you know, like they said, the other thing is you have to actually have a camera in order to do that. And now you have a camera everywhere you go.
0: Yes. So it's everywhere.
1: like, I have an idea. Wouldn't it be funny if I put my my knit cap that I got so that I don't get a second dose of pneumonia while I'm wandering around Disney. Wouldn't it be funny if I took a picture of myself wearing the goofy cap and going just being goofy, har, 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 like year, year. that's a funny thing I say and don't do now.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I, I, <laughs> okay. So I have to, I have to really quick share this. So I'm leaving the gym um, last week and I'm leaving. the. I wasn't working out. I, um, I was there because I had to take my son to his class and I go to meet my wife, uh, at target and I'm, and I'm thinking about Wolverine week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thinking about Wolverine week on network. You asked me before, like, what am I going to do to break us out of the cycle of anonymity and, you know, staleness. And part of that is, is, you know, these themed weeks that we're doing this year, I'm hoping that by creating these events and promoting these events, we start to bring in some new, some new listeners. And, you know, people start to share these things and we grow in popularity. That's my, that's, that's my marketing scheme for this year. Um, Effort is is what I call it. This is planned effort.
2: (laughs) Plan effort. (laughs)
1: Um, So I'm thinking about Wolverine week and I had talked to my wife, I think the night before about, I need a graphic for Wolverine and I'm actually going to put some, invest some money in promoting it on Facebook. You know, I did these little $5 ads. I might throw $20 up <clears throat> and I am, you know, I, I, but you know, it's going to be a picture of Wolverine. It's going to say rattled and broadcasting presents uh, Wolverine week. And then, you know, source material, old man, Logan and damn you Hollywood Logan. And then, um, metal hammer blues reviews, um, I'm an album from 20 years ago uh, <laughs> and to Wolverine Blues um, and then on trial X-Men Origins Wolverine um, and the dates and everything and links to the different shows or whatever and I'm hoping, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I've just got this in my head and I'm like okay, so the whole point of this is I'm starting to think about graphics and pictures that I want to use and it, and it occurs like wouldn't it be funny if I like took a picture next to the Logan poster and I'm wearing an entombed Wolverine blue shirt, but I wanted to make, I want to make it look even douchier. So I'm going to wear a white, (laughs) I'm going to wear a white South Carolina Gamecocks hat. Oh my (laughs) gosh. And I'm doing, and I'm going to throw up like devil horns standing in front of the Logan poster and have it, you know, and have it you know, like Wolverine Week. Dude, are you Z- like, do uh, is, Z- is, is Z- like, you even become a
2: meme? Your goal is to become <laughs> a meme.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that looks, well, no, this gets even worse. So oh, no. like, I'm, pictured, I'm picturing myself white, ha- white college hat, entombed t shirt, throwing up devil horns, standing in front of the Logan poster, Rattledge and Broadcasting presents Wolverine Week. Hashtag, do you even podcast, bro? Oh my and, God, and that dude. made me laugh so hard in my car, oh. to myself, to nobody in particular, that I'm like, I should start an Instagram account of just purposely <laughs> douchey photos. Okay, <laughs> five years ago, I wouldn't have come up with that idea. In fact, my first impression of Instagram was, what homo does this? Why would you <laughs> have an Instagram account? <laughs> what? I mean, get a fucking job. Get a life. Okay, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. five years later, I'm like, I should start an Instagram account, but I'm going to do a joke one of purposely douchey photos, purposely <laughs> douchey bro photos, <laughs> and uh, you know what stopped me? You know what stopped Please me tell from me doing this?
2: Okay, either you talked talk some sense into yourself, or if you ran it past the wife and she talked some sense into you, those are my two best bets.
1: Well, she agreed it was a terrible idea. Thank but both,
0: goodness.
1: But, but what? But before I, I mean, I told her about it like after the fact. I'd already decided I'm not going to do this. Okay. All right. But but the reason why I did not start up a purposely douchey Instagram account was the possibility of two extreme horrors. On the one hand, no one gets the joke, like, people look at the photos and think they're like real. Yep. And, people, and, and it's just like, what kind of a douchebag are you exactly? And it, you know, yep. and it becomes just this negative, ongoing, hateful, like, well, you're an asshole. I don't understand what's happening here. Okay, so <laughs> as the Joker says, if you have to explain the joke, it ain't funny. Okay, so there's that one horrible possibility. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other extreme horror possibility. Everyone gets the joke. Oh, yeah. And, my, and, and of all the th- – I have been doing these podcasts for 10 years, okay? For 10 years in your gears. <laughs> and uh, it's been a revolving circle kind of in the same place. Not a lot of growth. We've grown content-wise, not a lot of growth listener-wise. And the thing I'm gonna get known for, the thing that finally breaks me and turns me into a minor internet celebrity is an Instagram account of purposely douchey bro photos. Uh, they share I the picture listen. and
0: they're like,
2: you know, you got you know this guy has a podcast, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, and it's like if that's the thing I become known for, not my ideas, not my ability to craft a thought and a conversation and conduct a conversation, not the art that I'm bringing to the world through intellect but rather my ability to parody douchey bros. That's what makes me popular. I will kill myself. I can't live in that world. So. Talked
2: yourself yeah. out of it. That's good. That's
1: I, really I, I, good. Talked myself, I talked myself out of this terrible idea because either the people won't get the joke or they will and i like a minor celebrity and I can't live with either. Oh my goodness.
2: All thanks to the digital camera and the iPhone. <laughs> yes. Spawning bad
1: ideas for quite a while. Yes, since the 90s. Uh, So to round this back to Black Mirror, um, you can see why I thought this was the most horrifying thing I'd seen in three episodes. Worse Mm -hmm. than fucking a pig. Uh, Easily worse. Um, But I like the episode. I actually thought the last bit of him wandering around the empty apartment after he destroyed his life and now he's obsessing over the good memories was both sad and visually appealing. Like watching him sort of walk around like a zombie was very dramatic. I enjoyed the drama of it, the, the acting, the craft, but, I, but it was definitely presented as something terrifying to me. Um, just the very idea of, you of, of, a, of a man losing his family and being left with a house full of nothing and all that's left – and all you have left are these intangible, worthless memories, it makes me, it makes me want to cry. It's that's, and, you know, that's like and, my worst nightmare.
2: And what he, what he starts to realize is that instead of focusing on the negative – you know what he should have been doing is focusing on the positive that whole time because he's, I right. remember right, right there at the end, he's, he kind of walks into the kitchen and you see uh, his, his wife who, you know, was looking outside, turn, turn to him and smile. And he, it's like, he saw that smile for the first time. And he did, he just realizes that he could have been watching that smile, you know, over and over and over again. And, is, and mm-hmm. now that's never going to happen again.
1: It's something I talk to my wife about a lot, you know, I'm very much willing to forgive a lot of things because whatever it is I'm mad about isn't nearly as important as all the good I derive out of being married to Melissa and having my two children. There's nothing more valuable on earth to me than those relationships. And I would, I would be bereft of any real happiness without them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I talk about like, well, I would rather be, I would rather be wrong and be unhappy. You know, and so, so it's like, I, I'll, I'm willing to give a lot, you know, in terms of, you know, going back to the, well, I have the facts. Well, you have the feelings. Okay. Well, I'm, we're going to say that your feelings are right here because it's either that or be unhappy. You know what I mean? Oh Yeah. So I would rather not be unhappy. Um, being right hasn't nearly given me enough happiness as physically being. A, I mean, I would right now, my kids are asleep. My, they were asleep by the time I got home from work tonight. And my wife, I, and my wife shortly after I got home, went to bed because she had a migraine. And just knowing they're in rooms within five feet of me makes me happier than than would be if they weren't in this house at all. And that I think is sort of the moral of this story for me.
2: I agree. I agree. I agree. There's it serves as a reminder. This The show serves as a reminder to focus on the happy focus on the good in your life instead of focusing on the shit. Then stop stop making a mountain out of a molehill, dude. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be all right.
1: Yep. All right. So, in general, uh, I'm anxious to see how season two and three are. So, when are we doing this again, Jesse? When are we having Ooh. another TV party?
2: Well, you're the schedule, man. Because uh, we, whatever. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that. Uh, whenever we got a, uh, a, a spot open, I know you've got quite a few episodes planned out. So, I don't know when the next spot is open, but I- I'll be glad to talk season two with you. All um, right, let's
1: let's uh, let's plan for roughly a month from now. Uh, there's an open spot on the 7th. Okay. Um, so, and I didn't want to just go ahead and put it on the schedule without talking to you about it. So, sure. <laughs> um, you know, even though I've been going, scheduling things like a crazy person lately. Uh, let's go ahead and plan for February 7th. We're going to do TVPT. Black Mirror, season two. Man,
2: buddy, I can't wait for season uh, There are... Now, Sean Comer was a little critical of this show, Uh and, you know, to each his own, which is fine. Uh, he said that he was not very pleased with what came after the first season. I will tell you right now that my... what I What I pulled away from this was a bit different. I enjoyed... There's only really, out of how many episodes we got here, 13? Uh, so I could probably tell you maybe two, two or three that uh, were not the greatest. Uh, season two does have one of them in there that I was like, uh, you know, you might enjoy it because there's a little, little bit of politicking in there. But I'll tell you right now, the two that you need to pay attention to or I think that you're going to enjoy is White Bear. Okay, that title gives nothing away, which is great. And the the last one, the last episode of season two, which is called White Christmas, uh, that's a, that's actually a little bit longer. That, I think that's an hour and a half episode, if I remember right. But I'll, uh, you know, who John Hamm is? Yes, he is. He stars in that episode, in, of White Christmas, and it's good. Oh, dude, it's really good. If you like psychological kind of uh, thrillery stuff, uh, it's up there for me. But and. You'll, I can't wait, man. Season two is going to be fun because right off the bat, we're getting one of your uh, download consciousness stuff just checked off. First episode. Be right back. So you'll you'll like it.
1: All right. So so season two is going to be four episodes. It's three episodes proper and then a Christmas episode.
2: Yes. Three episodes and then a, a, a longer than usual Christmas episode, which... Fun, fun stuff. All these are written by Charlie Brooker, which I did not realize. Directed by different people, but written by the same guy. Uh, at least most of them are. Entire History View was written by Jesse Armstrong, which do not who, know who that is. But, again, I you know, think that's something I'm going to have to start paying attention to is who's writing uh, writing these episodes, because I might seek out more of their stuff.
1: All right. We also need to um, get on uh, uh, privately, get on schedule of talking about uh, what am I reading and we need to record uh, Batman 66 volume one. And we need to get in the can Wolverine, old man, Logan. Well, we, need to get this all done. we need to get this all done fairly soon because you want it, You don't do them live. You do everything pre recorded, uh, Keep it in the can until it's ready for debut. And this shit's happening in February and then early, early March. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, except for the, what you're reading special, which is happening in two weeks. That's right. That's which, right. When, okay. Before we get into plugs, when are the rest of the Flintstone episodes happening?
2: Uh, We don't have an episode coming up this Friday, correct? We got an open slot this Friday, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, unless there's a screaming boy out there.
2: Uh, Not that I know of. So we're going to do episode two of the Flintstones this coming Friday, and then we're finishing up with our third part of that episode on Monday.
1: Okay. So the plan right now is... Um, episode two Friday and then episode three is the 16th and then you got your what you're reading special um, One on week the 23rd later. yeah and I'm assuming you're going to break up what you're reading into two shows uh, yeah, the depending 23rd how people, 30th.
2: yeah depending on, upon okay. how long people go which is usually each every person usually goes about an hour or so so it'll probably be okay. a two two-parter
1: yeah okay Yep, I think we talked about you trying to do some longer shows and breaking them up so that you can have a weekly show happening, um, but it's actually one long show just broken up into several episodes. That's right. Okay.
2: Hopefully that'll work out better. <laughs> I, it it kind of gives us it gives people a you know a lot of people I don't think have two hours to devote to listen to one podcast. They do have two hours to listen to one, but it's usually broke up about three days, three or four days, I would mm-hmm. assume. So I've been shooting for the sweet spot, the 30-minute podcast, and then people <laughs> can just catch it, catch it on later, catch the second part later on down the line if they, if they want. Or they can binge it all and wait till it's all done, however they want to do it. Just kind of playing with the stuff out there, see how the numbers go. All
1: right. Um, every, everything, you know, here is – is is. In concrete until I say it isn't. So take this with a grain of salt. But, um, <laughs> we got tomorrow. Tomorrow is the metal hammer of doom. We got uh, deep cuts, covers, fucking duck. deep cuts, cover. Ugh, fuck me. What is um, it called again? Uh, here we go. <laughs> we got a clutch retrospective pot, do deep cuts, B sides and covers. There we go. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, our debut episode of On Trial, Big Trouble in Little China. So that's Sean's pick. Um, on the 16th, again, we got the uh, Flintstones, episode three. Um, and then we're going to do another TV party here. Another Netflix show, only four episodes long. This one is based off the Michael Pollan uh, book, Cooked. uh show of the same name, Cooked. Uh, Metal Hammer of Doom on Wednesday. We'll be reviewing uh, Sepultura's Machine Messiah. And then... Um, I'm going to have Gavin come on, and we're going to do a little show called Because Name Made Me, and in this case, it'll be called Gavin Made Me, and we'll be reviewing There Will Be Blood. Um, Jesse's got his So What you Reading special on the 23rd. Uh, theoretically, we will be doing a TV party for Voltron Legendary Defender Season 2. Metal Hammer of Doom the next night, we'll be reviewing Firewind Immortals. And the second episode of On Trial will be Inception. Now, in theory, uh, January 31st, uh, our next TV party after uh, Cooked and Voltron will be Fuller House Season 2, which dropped at the end of last year. Uh, We didn't get to it because of personal reasons, but um, I'm ready to get it on the calendar and get it done. Hopefully, I'll get it all watched by then. So if Pat can commit to that date, then we'll do it Tuesday the 31st. Metal Hammer of Doom, creator, gods of violence. It's a great title. Um, And right now I don't have anything set for uh, the the February 2nd. Hopefully we'll do another because Gavin made me and I will have to suck it up and get through the master. (laughs) And that is all for the month of March, the beginning of February. Uh, And if you're interested in, again, the next uh, episode of, of TV Party tonight, uh, Black Mirror. We are getting together on uh, February seventh. So that's that for now. Uh, Jesse, I, I kind of did your plugs for you, but is there anything else you want to you want to get out there?
2: Nah, just go give the and Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like. You can stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer out there. We got stuff like we got the four one one ground and pound here on Sundays. We got all sorts of all sorts of great shows that uh, just they they appeal to an array of different likes uh, out there in the Internet community. If you like podcasts, share this podcast or uh, share a podcast that you like, Uh, rate us, whatever send drop us a line. Uh, We hope we we hope we entertained you tonight. Um, other than that, I mean, I can't think of anything else. If you want to catch Screaming Boy, we had a Screaming Boy episode. Uh, it was a couple weeks back and we were talking about some of the, like the top five Reddit stories for the year of 2016. Uh, we also talked about some, uh, some games, video games, all sorts of fun stuff over there on their podcast as well, which at some point they're going to, we're going to have to drop one on here. Uh, so other than that, man, I think that is it.
1: All right, Jeff. Fun tonight on this TV party, this TV party hey, tonight.
2: A, fun first episode. I did have a good time. I'm glad I got to get your opinion on a show. Would you have ever watched this? I mean, without me suggesting it. No.
1: No, I, I'm. <laughs> first of all, I'm not glad enough black, then. too many Brits, not enough black people for me. Um, <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I know I can be a bit verbose at times. Uh, I don't think the show was absolute Shite! crap, Beaky. <laughs>
0: oh, that's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you did you happen to upload the um, the certain sound that you played earlier this week?
2: Oh uh, no, I did not. I have not yet. Oh man, that's okay. some classic shit. Oh jeez, <laughs>
1: should
2: have I should have just plugged that alone tonight. <laughs> listen to Mark Radlich listen to Mark Ratlitz and Ronnie Adams make noises on the Flintstones podcast part one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, all right, folks. So wait, wait. Oh shit, my mouse just died. God damn it. So um, all right, so itch. with that, so with that, um, I'm gonna save the rest of my voice and get some sleep. Uh, watch a little Family Guy. We'll be back tomorrow Metal Hammer of Doom. We'll be back next week. I'll actually have a coworker on. So I can't wow. do a podcast where I talk badly about my job because <laughs> I'm gonna have a coworker <laughs> on. i have to be nice. Um no, she she's a nice she's a great lady. Apparently she has an interest in cooking. She was very interested in talking about this show. It'd be a first-time podcast for her. So we'll see how that goes. I'm 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 anxious to give a newcomer, a chance, just like I did you, Jesse Starcher. Let me give somebody else a chance. We'll see where it goes, see how it ends up. In the meantime, uh, this has been TV Party Tonight on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network. But Jesse Starcher, I'm your mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm modified. We'll see you next time. Be, fair, be well, be safe. I almost forgot my sign off. Be, well, <laughs> be, <safe. laughs> be safe and behave.